0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Bucks Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling. Yeah, every position. I there. Mean, I was always looking at that waiver wire, who might be better than our last five or six, and... Uh... That's every single year. That's why I always tell them, don't celebrate after the first day of cuts because somebody might still get your job. And uh, don't go buy a house. That's for damn sure. Uh, you might want to stick around for a couple weeks first. But, uh, yeah, that, that's been the way it's always been. That's probably one of my favorite quotes, Luke. Like, uh, less than a week now uh, before the cutdown day. And uh, don't buy a house. We should make T-shirts like that. Don't buy a house. You know, it doesn't mean you actually won the job yet. We're always going to be looking at that waiver wire. Plenty of guys are getting cut. Don't buy a house. I thought that was the best quote I've heard from Bruce in a while.
1: Yeah, I can't decide what would be better to like miss the cut and like know that like okay, I got to figure something out, or to make the first cut and then before week one you get switched out for somebody who was on the waiver wire. Like I can't remember, can't <laughs> really. I, I don't know which one of those I would prefer, or if if either of them. But I mean, it, the perfect proof. I think going back a few years, early in Jason Light's tenure, when the Bucks had the number one waiver priority, I think they claimed like seven or eight guys. Mm-hmm. Like they swapped out a bunch of guys at the bottom of the roster and churned that out. And, and Bruce has talked about that before. You're always churning the bottom. You're churning the bottom of that roster, trying to bring in guys here and there that you think could make a difference, you know. And that's again, that's why you have to have a very strong, very robust scouting department across all you know, across the board. It's not just scouting college players and, and for the draft. It's pro your pro scouting department is always combining those evaluations from the draft process with, you know, keeping track of the film and how those guys are progressing across the league so that when a guy hits the waiver wire that maybe was another man's trash and could be your treasure based on your own evaluations and how they fit into your system compared to someone else's, that's where you, you know, those those people make their money, right? So, uh, I mean, go back a few years. The, the Bucks got Carl Nassib that way. He was waived by the Browns. And then the Bucks pick him up. He comes here. He was a you know a rotational guy here, but you know was a six seven sack guy per season while he was here. Stayed for a few seasons, went and got a nice payday out uh, with the Raiders. So you can you can find guys if you know what you're doing. And I think if the Bucks have proven anything, it's that their scouting department knows what they're doing in a lot of ways. And uh, again, those those guys at the bottom of the roster, you got to work hard enough. This last preseason game. To make sure you're not one of those last few uh, that will that will have their job still on the line after that first cut.
0: That's interesting. Just keeping them on their toes, Luke. Right? Keeping them on their toes. Uh, I, I love that. It's good stuff. And you know, looking at you know the the Bucks going into this you know cutdowns here, uh, it's coming up here, and it's like we know that you know they have all their starters back, right? The big the big twenty two are back. So we know that their starters on offense, starters on defense, their specialists, they're all Super Bowl champions. So we know the Bucks have that thing figured out. I guess the question I had, you know, after they got smoked by the Titans in this preseason game where they're, you know, it's all backups out there. How good are their backups? How good is the back end of their whatever it is, 80-man roster right now? Um, how good is their depth? Like how good is the competition for those backup spots? The I mean, you got the band back together this year, but it's impossible to keep the band together forever, right? I mean, it's going to break up. These guys are going to be moving into starting roles. And I guess my question for you was How do you feel about the depth right now going into the season? I I caught in one of your articles after that preseason game against the Titans. You said, you know, it it might be time to question some areas of depth on this team. It's not just, uh, you know, you're not just going to roll it out there just because you have your starters back and go win the Super Bowl again. Depth of your team comes into play. There's injuries all the time. How do you feel about the Bucs' depth right now?
1: I think there are spots where they're, they're definitely, you know, Super Bowl champion depths as well as starters. I think tight end is one of them. I think defensive line. Wide is receiver. obviously one of them. Wide receiver. <laughs> um, wide receiver, obviously, definitely. Uh, you know, and I, I think, but certain injuries at certain spots could really put them in, in a bind. And again, this is a team, they, met, you know, O.J. Howard was out for most of last season. Vita Veo was out for most of last season, but that was really it. I mean, they had some some bumps and bruises here. Guys miss a game here, a game there, or you know, if they weren't playing at full strength. Uh, but for the most part, I mean, most of those impact players played every game last year and and, and did so at a very high level. So you're talking about a team who didn't really have to deal with, you know, really significant long-term injuries to multiple quality starters, you know, co- core foundational guys to that team. Vitavea, I think, was the biggest one, obviously. Uh, and his return was obviously very huge in, in late in the postseason. But, you know, there are, there are a lot of other areas. And one caveat I will put on, particularly that performance against the Titans, and Bruce Arians told us this leading up to the week, the Bucks have signed four new offensive linemen in the last, like, two weeks. And so going into that Titans game where you knew the starters weren't going to play really at all, one spot where the starters actually did play was at right guard where there's a kind of a competition there between Alex Kappa, who's been the starter the last couple of years, and Aaron Stinney, who came in after he uh, broke his leg in the, in the wild card game and finished the playoffs really strong. So there's been a battle there. But otherwise, there were no starters playing in that Titans game, which means they were relying on three or four new offensive linemen I think he said Earl Watford, who had a little bit of an advantage because he's been on the team, off the team over the last couple of years. He played with Bruce in, in Arizona as well. He basically had a walkthrough, and that was it, like before the game. So they what Bruce told us going into that game is that they were going to really water down the playbook. They were going to scale everything back and make sure they were only calling a, a set amount of things that they knew that entire patchwork offensive line that had only been working together for a couple of days would be able to execute as best they could. And I think they looked like a team who was – playing with a bunch of new people and playing with a very vanilla uh, scheme on offense, especially, but on defense, it's, it's fundamentals. They're, they're still tackling very poorly. Uh, a lot of those backup guys that are trying to fight for jobs on special teams and defense, they need to tackle better. So I think when you look at fundamental things like that, that's what concerns me is that if this team, has some key injuries on defense. Just go back and look at the Washington game. Devin White was out of that game because of COVID, right? Yeah. So they put Kevin yeah. Minter in, who's a very respected teammate, one of my favorite people in the locker room, great special teams guy, great leader, but he ain't no Devin White. There are very few of those human beings on this planet. And if Devin White goes down, if Luante David goes down, they're screwed at linebacker, frankly. Like there's, there's one thing, you know, the, the flip side to having the best tandem of linebackers in the NFL is that if one of those guys goes down, it makes a huge difference because there's just very few of those types of players on the planet. So, you know, the, I do think that this is the most complete team top-to-bottom roster-wise in the NFL, but it's much more top-heavy than they'd probably like it to be. Obviously, that makes a big difference when those guys are healthy because you can go and dominate, but, you know, it's they're going to have to navigate things very carefully and, and hope they stay as healthy as they did last year.
0: Now, you mentioned OJ Howard. He is coming back from that. It was an Achilles, right, that he had. And, you know, that's, right. that's a tough injury. He's off to kind of a slow start, right? Dropped a couple balls. Bruce has said, you know, he's kind of preached patience with him. But, you know, any concern about O.J. Howard's slow start? I mean, we've been kind of waiting for this player to to, to click on for, for years, right, and to kind of dominate. He hasn't really lived up to his draft, uh, where they drafted him. Uh, I mean, that's... That's saying the least, but uh, would really love to see OJ Howard have a breakout year. But you know, it does, I don't know. Like so far, it's off to a slow start.
1: Yeah, and I think honestly, the 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 most frustrating thing is that is what separated Kyle Pitts from him from as a, as a draft prospect. If you go back to the draft process, OJ Howard didn't have a flaw. I mean, you looked at everything in his game; he could block great because he played at Alabama, where they ran the ball all the time. He didn't catch the ball a whole lot, but when he did, he did it well. He had that huge game at Clemson in the national championship that that really you know skyrocketed his status through the air he's a great athlete he's a great guy in the locker room great teammate but just watching him try to catch a football it looks like he's miserable yeah it looks like it's such a chore for him to just concentrate and put hand and eye together and make a catch he he bounced back against the titans with three shorter catches later in the game but he dropped his first two targets could have been big plays And you just, you know, Tom Brady talks so much about trust and and having faith in a receiver to get the job done. And when you can't be sure that that guy's going to catch the ball, he's not going to come find you. You know, he's not going to count on you to take chances, you know, and and make big plays and and count on you to go go up and get the ball when there's tight coverage. O.J. Howard has got to get to the point where he is confident mentally in catching the football. And again, coming back from injury doesn't help that at all. Again, that's one of the biggest struggles with him as a prospect. He had no injury issues at Alabama, I and mean, he comes into the league, he's ended up he's ended his season on injured reserve 3 out of the 4 years he's played here. So, it's just really frustrating to watch a guy who is so athletic, has so much talent, does everything the right way, he's such a complete player except for that one important thing, which is catching the football and it's really important in his position. So, obviously with the Bucks you have Grunt, you have Cameron Brait, even Tanner Hudson and Cody McElroy, So, you know, a couple of, you know, pretty good depth guys. So you can handle it if he's not on the field, but he should make such an impact because he's so talented. He's so athletic. It's just when the ball gets there, I, he's just got the yips, man. I don't know.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So um, we'll see. Hopefully a bounce back here. Uh, but who's one player on the roster bubble right now for the Bucks that you're kind of pulling for? Maybe not so much as a reporter, but as a fan going into Saturday's preseason finale.
1: It's absolutely Grant Stewart, the uh, the linebacker. He's Mister Irrelevant, so he's the last pick in the draft. Love it, uh, and you you can't miss him. You can probably, if you walk outside wherever you are right now, you can probably see his hair <laughs> from where you are because it's all over the place. He's got like Troy Polamalu has a smile on his face somewhere when he watches that kid play because it's just <laughs> it's like Troy's, but it's like red and orange. It's fantastic, excellent. Um, but Grant Stewart is just a great kid, man. He he has overcome so much in his life. Had a really hard time growing up and, and just overcame a lot of adversity. It's going to be really actually fun for him this weekend because he grew up in Houston walking distance from, from the Texas stadium there. And he's going to get to play, uh, I think a lot in this game and, and play in that stadium that he grew up walking past every day. Uh, and again, for, for a kid that just, if you kind of know his story and know what he's been through, it's just phenomenal to see him in a position uh, to, to make an NFL roster. And and to that point, after the Titans game, he was one of the few bright spots. He had six tackles. Three of them were behind the line of scrimmage. He had a sack, um, obviously has made an impact on special teams, which is where he'll stick on this team. Um, but Bruce Arians said that basically word for word, that he all but made the team with that performance. And, and when your head coach is willing to name names like that, a lot of times they, they want to shy away from that, right? they want to stay away from telling a guy he's made the team here and there or not, especially when it's too early, but when the coach decides to put your name out there like that, you've obviously shown him something, and, and hopefully he finishes strong here. I'm definitely pulling for him because he, he just seems like a, a great kid who deserves that shot.
0: Fantasy football question of the week. I'm going to ask Luke about one of my favorite players. We'll do that coming up next. All right, Luke, my fantasy question of the week for you. Chris Godwin. It's tough to judge his value, I guess, because there's so many mouths to feed in the Bucks. I think people might... Think that you can you can pass on Chris Godwin because Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Mike Evans, you know, go down the list. Uh, but with wide receivers so deep across the board of fantasy this year, I love snagging Godwin in like the fourth round, like doing like the almost a zero wide receiver strategy this year where you, you kind of go maybe running back tight end early, try to get one of those good tight ends, and then target a guy that might be undervalued that can easily put up wide receiver one numbers in fantasy. And I feel like Godwin's that kind of guy. If I could get him in that like top-end wide receiver two range, but you know put him on my team as my top wide receiver, I'm doing it, especially if it's Godwin, because I love the player. Uh, but you know he was a little disappointing last year, at least during the regular season for fantasy purposes. He came on in the postseason, obviously, but banged up a lot missed a lot of games but how would you feel about snagging goblin in the fourth round and making him your top wide receiver in a, in a fantasy team
1: yeah i'm with you man i feel pretty good about it and a lot of it is because like you said there's a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of talent to be had but i think if there's one guy who's going to eat more consistently it's going to be goblin just because of his role in the offense he is larry fitzgerald from bruce's arizona days right he is that good one. Good that one. Yeah. big slot who moves around he's the guy who can play everywhere line up everywhere and he can block so well that they, they use him in every personnel package. You don't have to take him off the field when you're running the ball, which means you're on the field for a lot of that play action. You're going to get a lot of big plays because the defense is getting sucked into the run. He is that receiver who does it all and does it at a very, very high level. And again, you talk about another season with Tom Brady, another offseason working on that chemistry. You mentioned the injuries. He dealt with so many different injuries. missed a game with a concussion, had a hamstring issue, had a hip issue, broke his finger against the Raiders and played the rest of the year with a surgically repaired finger. So, you know, getting him back to as uh, close to full strength as, as you can, uh, as any NFL player ever is probably throughout a season. Uh, but again, if, if there's one guy I had to hang my hat on, I think you know, a guy like Mike Evans is obviously going to get you touchdowns. He's going to get you big plays. He's going to get those chunks. A.B.'s going to get his, and he'll have a day here and there where he has a big day. I think the same for Gronk. Um, but I tell you, what, I think Godwin is going to be the most consistent week to week performer because I think he does everything well at a high level. And his role in this offense as that big slot who's always going to be you know, used for mismatches and and always going to find a way to get open. I think he's going to be the most consistent guy out of all that group.
0: Sports betting question of the week. Uh, I can now name the app. You know, I usually say I'm pulling out my sports betting app. Well, uh, the name of the app is the Tipico Sportsbook app, Luke. So it's always good for business when you can say the name of an app. That's a good thing for us, right? We're the Tipico app. Uh, That's where we're going to get our odds for the rest of the year. And uh, I'm looking at a futures bet for the Bucks right now. Why not look? Why not pull up the Super Bowl odds? Why not? Why, what, what the hell not? So, on the Tipico app, the Bucks plus six hundred, second only to the Chiefs. Man, yeah, man, I don't know how they came up with that. Chiefs and then Bucks, uh, but well ahead of the Bills, uh, who are uh, at plus one thousand. So the Bucks at plus six hundred, number two to the Chiefs. I don't know if you're going to get better value if the Bucks, you know, start stringing wins together, right? I mean. I remember back last season going into that Washington playoff game, the Bucks are at plus 1,000 to win the Super Bowl going on the road. Uh, you're not going to see odds like that again, I don't think. Plus 600 might be the best odds you're going to get. So you think this is the time to uh, to lay, sprinkle a little bit on the Bucks if you're feeling them as a repeat?
1: You know, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a nice number, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, if there's a point in the season where maybe they hit a rocky patch, and by a rocky patch I mean maybe two losses in a row because honestly – they're such a loaded team, and I yeah. think this schedule is probably easier than last year's schedule. Uh, that's that's the only benefit to not winning the division last year, right? If you get that second place schedule the following year, which I think will help them, they should be a better team this year. They should be a better team with an easier schedule, and, and I think that you know I don't mind taking that number right now. I do think that if they you know if they got a couple of losses in a row at some point in the season, I know we talked about the Rams game. It's got to happen early, though. I think if there's an early, I don't think we'll see the struggles that we saw last year where they were obviously 7-5 and five, um, through you know 12 weeks. I, I don't think we see that level of it. But that's the only thing that can make that number dip for me. So if, if you like them to repeat as much as I do, uh, and the fact that I don't think the Chiefs are a better team than they are, I don't think that, that they – I think those teams should be flopped right now, uh, flipped based on what we saw in the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, I don't have any problem taking that bet at all.
0: And you also have to factor in Luke that Tampa Bay wins every freaking championship now. So you that you know, you got to factor that in. Yeah, I so, mean,
1: we just we, we just schedule boat parades now every few freaking months.
0: Freaking ridiculous. So yeah, so so you know, sprinkle that thing in too. Makes that line look even better. Plus 600 freaking Tampa Bay title town, man.
1: Unbelievable. Tampa Bay, Tampa oh, Bay. Tampa
0: Bay, I like that. Tampa Bay. So speaking of Tampa Bay, next week we get we get to talk about the final 53, talk about week 1. Look ahead to that game against the Cowboys. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be fun.
1: It's all, it's all real, baby. It's all real in a week, and I love it.
0: It's awesome. For Luke Easterling, I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for hanging in with us. We'll talk to you next week.
1: Go, go. This
0: USA Today sports podcast has been presented by USA Today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates. The latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini and the Huddle Podcast. Inside the Weekly Line with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.